Hi, and welcome to episode 75 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger, and my guest today is Nicole Kelly. Nicole is one of Australia's most interesting emerging artists. Her landscapes and portraits are filled with reminiscence and emotion. She's had 10 solo shows. She's won the coveted Brett Whiteley Travelling Art Scholarship, the Hereford Hardwood Portrait Prize, as well as other prizes, and she's been finalist in many others. I spoke with her in her studio in Sydney where she was creating work for her November show in Sydney with Art House Gallery. We also shot some video on that day which will be on the Talking With Painters YouTube channel by mid-August 2019. Nicole grew up in southern Sydney but she didn't paint or draw much as a child and in fact she was more interested in photography in high school and after high school she was encouraged by photographer and academic Ella Dreyfus to apply to the National Art School. But you can't do photography at National Art School. You can. So I went for photography. Okay. And then you have to, um, in first year, try everything. And I hated painting because I I found it really hard, (laughs) like impossible. And I remember some, like, horrendous comments of of, um, fellow students. (laughs) And the first thing that we um, had to do was a self-portrait. With no kind of drawing. We hadn't even had any drawing. I was in the rotation where painting was first. And it was like my first introduction to art school. And I was like, here you go, paint a (laughs) self-portrait. It was hell. I thought you hadn't done drawing before that. No. I mean, I tried to, I I did, um, I worked on drawing um, before I did my interview for NAS because you have to get, you have to do a drawing test, which terrified me. I walked out of that bawling my eyes out, like absolutely (laughs) sure I wasn't getting into national art school. (laughs) Why did Um, they get to you? Still life. Still a huge still life. Um, And you kind of, it's very intimidating. And you go in. And I was all, didn't know anyone, and my dad took me, and I made a horrendous drawing. And in the interview, they said to me, um, so you do know you have to pass drawing to get through National Art School? And I was like, yes, I've practised really, really hard, I promise. And I think that's probably the only reason I got in, because I was just desperate to get in. And I think I kind of, it was certainly not on skill. <laughs> I mean, the photography. I think yeah. my, my portfolio was good. Oh, my but, um, God, I cannot believe yeah. that you weren't, hadn't done drawing really much before no. National Art School. But as soon as I got in there, I was obsessed, like something yeah. kind of, um, especially with the drawing, um, very obsessively. Like every, I'd spend all day at art school, come home, spend all night drawing, copying masters, doing mm. and going to life drawing, like probably four times a week. I was totally obsessed. Oh, um, really? So on top of your national yeah. art school stuff, right? I mean, it's my whole. It was pretty much as soon as I walked into that door, it just became my whole. I mean, photography was an obsession too, like really obsessed yeah. <laughs> beyond a normal kind of <laughs> hobby or whatever. So, um, and then like the last day of of my painting rotation, something clicked. Uh, my teacher walked in. I can't remember what it was. Anyway, she she was like did you, is this yours? Like it was so different. Something just made sense in the painting. On the last day, it was very weird. Oh, um, really? So I liked it again and then... Was um, this oil paint at that point? Yeah. yeah. But what clicked is a friend of mine at the time said, just pretend it's watercolour. Don't get bogged down by the kind of opaque nature of it. Water it down, use washes and draw, I suppose, in the painting. And that's when it started to make sense. Yeah, and then so it came time to elect between photography and painting. 
and I had studied by myself so much in photography and I just felt I knew nothing about painting so why not take a leap in that direction oh, right. and I broke poor Ella's heart <laughs> I think she's finally forgiven me <laughs> yeah right but, um yeah yeah so yeah. that's interesting you say that about watering it down because at the end of National Arts School, I think it was the last year when you did your honours that you got, you won the Brett Whiteley Travelling Arts Scholarship. Yeah. But those paintings Super were... Super thick. I know. I know. <laughs> very <What> textured. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like... I and didn't... quite abstract. Very abstract. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's the watering down of the paint. I think I was also looking at um, Cezanne's watercolours. And that just made, it gave me an entry point into how to make a painting. And once mm. I got a, a, you know, a grasp of that, a taste of that, mm. then it kind of opened up this whole world of paint and its capacity to make marks. And I was hugely, you know, later down three years on or whatever, influenced by abstract expressions and especially de Kooning. And, um, and I also loved Arbach. And I was, yeah, really interested in kind of thicker paint and I think one of my art teachers gave me a whole lot of old paint tins like um, oils that he had for whatever reason <laughs> I probably didn't have much money and that a lot of them were all kind of dried out and stuff ah. so that I was using that paint and that led I think to some of the um, those works and the thicker paint and I, mm. I, I was using the heat gun on them and um, really pushing the capacity or limits of the pat or exploring it, trying it, because it was just this whole yeah. world that opened up. Yeah, right. That's interesting um, about the heat gun because I remember Anne Thompson talking about oh, that. Yeah. And what does that just so it's quite thick and then you can sort of melt it almost. Yep. Is that what happens? Yeah, so when it's dried and it's thick, it's it's unmovable and it's frustrating to paint. It can be really frustrating to paint against. But if you hit it with the heat gun, it like melts and you can just then get a scraper or spatula or whatever and just scrape. Mm right back to yeah. the canvas yeah so it's this real physical I suppose I was really interested in that physical aspect of paint and the bodily um which I still am obviously like my the way I make marks has changed and I'm not so heavy-handed these days but it's still that kind mm. of pushing the material and exploring what mark making I can get that drives a lot yeah a lot of the work and even back then it was um even though it was quite abstract, you still had it grounded in a subject. Yeah, like there always, was a, yeah. always. And always from drawing, even back then. Oh, really? Yeah, so right. they're all figurative works. Um, yeah. And they're all my life drawings and often like uh, really quick life drawings. Single line, really open forms, which echoes through. Yeah, and so they were like my trigger, my entry point into then playing with paint mm. and colour. yeah. And yeah. that must have been, like, winning that scholarship. Yeah. That must have been just a huge confidence booster for you, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, it's bizarre to to even make sense of, even now with time lapsing. But um, I was It was like 10 years ago, young. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was definitely a confidence boost. But I remember a really good friend of mine and a, one of my, well, my favourite lecturer from National Art School, Bill Brown, he said to me, just put your head down and work. And so, yes, it was amazing, but, but I, I took his advice really literally and I just absolutely put my head down. And I, I'm, 
I kind of, in a way, resisted, like, I didn't want to fall into the trap of thinking I was great when I still had, and still do, so much learning to do. Mm. So I didn't want to fall into that kind of, like, near enough is good enough or, like, oh, you know, this is enough. Mm. So in a way, I kind of turned against, in my mind, the fact that I'd won it. I mean, really, you know, what is that? It's one, you know, one person that awarded it to me could have been somebody mm. else. So I think it's dangerous to get caught up mm. too much was, in that. If, Even if, but it's incredible. Yeah. I'm not kind yeah. of denying the... No, the, no, yeah, but I mean, I was going to say one of the judges. Was it one judge? I know it was the late Edmund Capon. But, yeah. <laughs> so when somebody yeah. like that yeah, says it's good work, it's incredible. <laughs> but I guess I don't want to rely... I don't ever... I think yeah. you can never rely on anything. You're only as good as your last painting. It's sort of danger zone to spend too much time kind of it was almost like thinking about you don't that. want to believe it true 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 <laughs> because then you know if you start believing and relying on it then this you sort of got further to fall or something yeah <laughs> yeah and and you don't want to get complacent like no. it's just no you don't yeah it's I an incredible that. affirmation though like an incredible confidence boost but i was always you know, I was never gonna, going to stop painting yeah. regardless of whether I won it or not. So that scholarship got you a three-month residency in Paris. Yeah. What was that like? It was really incredible, informative time, intense. I drew only when I was there and it's the first time I've been to Paris and, and there is a museum or gallery for every day of the year basically it's endless um so my day was and I went with my um partner at the time who was also a painter so the day was coffee museum like drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing and then endless conversations like breaking down paintings talking about it was just so incredible it was really amazing and it was good to (sighs) I made a couple of like strong decisions when I was there because I was really struck by the quality of work that I was seeing which obviously you're going to put yourself up against that and Mm. for me that was like uh, really important uh, self-criticism in a way like affirming how much further I need I need to go Mm. and how much I need to learn and um so you're talking about the masters basically yeah, yeah 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 Matisse and, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Every day and drawing from them and mm. um, so would you be in the museum's drawing? Drawing, yeah, from, from not it. copies. Like um, I was abstracting a lot because I was still really interested in abstraction. So I was kind of, I was looking to get an essence from the paintings and break it down and learn how a painting was made and marks and try and get at this other quality to then reassess my own work and take to my own work this kind of depth that's in an emotion like this feeling mm. um which were the artists that were really um enjoying there Sutin oh, um yes. G. Kometi, Arbuck mm. so still so more Rembrandt expressionist as well yeah yeah but also Rembrandt yeah. and um El Greco I, I mean I hated El Greco when I learned <laughs> about him in art school but I was really bowled over by the the work and the and the mark so would you go? So would you make notes of those paintings, and or would you actually be making um, sort of drawings? Or drawings, something? yeah, just drawings, yeah, right. But they were quite frenzied. There was a real, yeah, frenzy involved in the, mm. in the drawing, mm. um, or energy, I suppose. 
which then I took to make work when I got home as well. So they kind of fueled a body of work. Right. And did you find that it, that you your work had changed after that? Massively. I mean, I struggled. So when I was over there, I, I guess I was really struck by how much work I need to do. And when I got home, I really, I mean, my relationship with painting was pretty fraught. Like I, you know, for lack of a better word, I thought it was all shit <laughs> what I was doing. So there was really? a real struggle. Why? Well, um, yeah. I guess it's just the, the consequence of being up, like seeing these incredible mm. works and wanting to be that, that good and getting that kind of essence. There's going to be a dissatisfaction or a frustration, which is painful at the time. But mm. also really important, I think. Mm. Like, mm. I think it's really healthy to, to have that. And I think being so kind of isolated here in Australia, it's easy to forget that kind of... So I think that's why I keep going back as well because I, I want to be thrown and I want to, like, be pushed as well. Mm. Well, let's... Um move on because there was, when we talk about that your work changed one, one of the most striking things about the change in your work which I, I noticed like that 2013-14 is this we were talking earlier about the I might be wrong about the date no, that's okay. <laughs> um, is this use of the ground in your work is so important because it forms such a big part of your work totally yeah um, can you talk to me a bit about like why that shifted and what, yeah. what was it that influenced that? Um, yeah, there's a couple of shifts that happened. One was the ground and one was coming back to life. So after I was just fighting, fighting, fighting for a couple of years in the studio, then I just drew for a while and then I came back to looking at landscape and that helped to re-centre me and ground mm. me and give me context. And in that, I was looking at Constable's sketches and he always worked with the ground. So then that's what introduced this idea of working with the ground. And I really enjoyed that. Then the colour obviously responds to the colour that's already existing and you can have this kind of game with colour, which is an underlying kind of interest in my Mm. work. So it kind of extended that for me at the time. Mm. Um, And since it's it's evolved a lot. So um, now the, the ground really references place or time um, for the paintings or that anchor the paintings. What do you mean? So, like, um, it might be a colour, like we were talking about earlier, a colour from a leaf that I might find Mm. uh, in the landscape and bring that back to the studio and that's what will dictate the colour of my ground and it's not like a planned thing it's not like all this color is going to look good against this kind of sky it's more it's that kind of idea again of throwing myself a little bit of a curveball and Mm. having to uh, respond to that Mm. Um, so it's like a limitation in a way kind of yeah so which is sort of good because sometimes it can just give you a starting point exactly yeah Um, exactly and you're not facing a white a blank white canvas which is I think daunting for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> right. So so usually that ground colour will, will be sparked by some in, yeah. some object or... Yeah, something. Usually nature. So it might be a moment in the sky or... Although I'd rarely use blue at the moment. But, um, mm. yeah, it's always something I've yeah. observed 
and felt something for. Yeah. Well, actually, I want to talk about one a painting in particular, which was in your show recently in Melbourne called An Amorous Field. Oh, yeah. That is just a brilliant painting. Oh, thank you. Um, it's like nearly, well, it's over, nearly two and a half metres long. I think it's yeah. pretty big. Yeah. Um, and it had this really like an orange, like a, it's like a raw sienna type of ground yeah it was really fantastic and it was um like a landscape so we had the sky and the these hills in the background and then then in the middle ground there are these two sort of almost camouflage figures yeah. embracing oh you picked them up. well I only picked it up because I thought <laughs> it's called an amorous field now why is it called that yeah. so I was really looking and yeah, cool. it's just it was really it's it's sort of you know, um, almost imperceptible. I like my figures to dissolve into landscapes um, a little bit because I I don't want the figure to be the centre of attention and then the rest just kind of background. I kind of want to inverse that a little Mm. bit um, because I think it's, you know, in the world I think humans, we think we dominate everything. And so it's kind of my little game for myself where I, like, flip that. And I, I kind of, to me, we actually dissolve in the landscape and emerge in and out of landscape and we're gone pretty soon and those trees are still going to be kind of there. Mm. So that's kind of what that's about for me. Yeah, I've seen it in other paintings. Yeah. It's really lovely. Oh, thanks. Yeah, because actually the usually the colour of the figure is often the colour of yep. the landscape. And that helps them kind of come and go. And, yeah. Um, and also I noticed with the foreground of that painting, like the the, the, the brush strokes then the paint you use is, is really almost dissolving into it because it's almost the colour of the ground, you know, you're starting to yeah, and it's a lovely, play with that. Yeah. I love... The idea, everything I try and do is about embedding mark and colour into the surface. So I'm not, I get really dissatisfied with things that sit on the surface of a painting. So I'm always trying to embed it and push it in and and bringing the ground colour back on later layers in the painting helps embed the mark and Mm. and the image. Mm. I'm not sure if I'm making sense. So do you mean, well, I sort of get what you mean, but do you, is it that you don't like the brush mark to appear like it's sitting? I want complex mark making, I suppose. And if if it reads too much on the surface, it's not. It's too easy for me. Mm. So either something needs to push it back or it needs to have like a complex relationship with another area to... I mean, I suppose it comes down to push-pull yeah. in painting. Yeah. But... um. So yeah, I don't do like it, ease. It's not... I'm, I'm real, And I don't like surface kind of too much surface likeness um I'm still kind of constantly moving between that early abstraction that I was interested in Mm. and and drawing from life as well I kind of hover between so that painting so that painting would have started off as a plein air drawing uh yes it did and the figures were separate so the figures were I think the figures were invented actually but they were a separate sketch and then the landscape was separate and I kind of I merged them, which I do a lot when I'm working. Um, when I place figures in landscapes, I never get the figure actually to sit in the landscape that I'm drawing because I kind of want that awkwardness that happens when you kind of plonk something in mm. somewhere as well that they, it doesn't quite fit. Like the Jumadi um, yeah, painting, yeah, 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 the exactly. one that you won the Hereford Hardwood Portrait Prize last year. Because yeah. he's sort of, it's an interior. Yeah. 
that he's sort of plonked there on the left-hand side of the canvas. Yeah, exactly. There's a kind of tension or awkwardness in the, in the way the figure's brought in. I think you, we were talking earlier, and I think you might have mentioned it just now, that you're interested in the emotion of, you know, of, yeah. of the painting. I mean, I presume that's got a lot to do with colour. Yeah, totally. But also Mark, like, um, you know, some of my favourite... I'm just thinking of Tom Carmen at the moment, but oh, the way yeah. he's like that wavering line, there is that is just loaded with emotion for me. So it's it's mm. the two together, colour and and mark for me holds this can mm. be loaded with emotion, and that's kind of what mm. um, really drives my work, I think. And do you think like I feel my view when I look at your work is like one of the strong emotions is like a sensuality. Yeah, um, is that. Um, something you're thinking about? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it's loaded with love as well. Like, there's a lot, I have a lot of love for the world. So I, I never take on a subject that doesn't move me in that sort of way. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard one because, like, amongst that, I also think there's pain. Like, I think that pain comes with love as well and um, you can't separate the two mm. I don't think it's like a melancholy in a way sort of yeah. yeah yeah now also another thing something else we were talking about earlier was the was was the importance of memory yeah when you're in your work totally. so when you're talking about that what do you mean by that I suppose when we think when I think about landscape just for the, for the context of this question, but it relates to figure as well. Mm. The drawings for me are a trigger for that moment that I suppose I'm trying to recall in the painting studio and usually time has lapsed between the two. Mm. So memory fascinates me a little bit because it's warped version of reality. It, it's never kind of true. You can never get back to that kind of truth of that situation I suppose yeah um and there's certain things that stand out and certain things that just fade into nothingness mm. so I find that quite exciting in terms of painting and, and I suppose the drawing has picked up the most important parts of it yeah it's like an essence yeah, awesome yeah. and that essence I can feel still and that's what I mean by memory I mm. suppose it's it's um it's like like pulling that up Mm. That feeling, it's, a, it's a, a feeling of emotion, I suppose, that I'm drawing upon. I suppose you're filling in the spaces between the drawing, the marks on the drawing, with memories of what you remember it was. Yeah, exactly. Know. Memory and inventing, like memory and making things up, because I'm not kind of claiming that these landscapes are, have all of these colours or that... Mm. Yeah, it's not a literal memory. It's more this this feeling yeah. that I want to yeah, recapture. Yeah. And how do you find um, when you're, uh, you know, say you've said you've gone back to France a few times. Yeah. Does that make you see like the Australian landscape a different? different yeah, way? for sure. Yeah. Um, and that actually ties into that whole thing of memory because sometimes when we're taken away yeah. from it, we can see things so much more clearly. And that might be through, like, compare and contrast maybe, I don't know, but there's definitely an awakened sense 
that happens when you when you leave something mm. and I suppose my attention's on that because that's something I'm really interested in and it absolutely helps I mean the first time I went overseas was probably the first true time that I saw the beauty of the place that I've grown up yeah I and know, I was just amazing. immune to it yeah. until then so there's definitely something in that there is in there I suppose light is really important yeah in that respect as well yeah yeah because you don't know your own light until you've got something to compare it with you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, and vice versa. Yeah. Now, I want to move on to talk about portraiture because yeah. we talked, we mentioned earlier that you um, won the Hereford Hardwood Portrait Prize last year yeah. with that great painting of Jamadi. And um, But you've also been finalist in other portrait prizes in the Black Swan yeah. and third time in the Portia Geach yeah. with a portrait <laughs> this year. Is it nerve-wracking waiting for... To hear? Oh, not really, because I I'm, have no kind of um, expectations to win. I'm, like, very happy to be in the show and yeah. it's like hanging with great painters that I really admire and respect. And to me, that's, yeah. that's my, I don't know, I mean, it'd be fabulous to win, but it's definitely not something I'm waiting on oh, or... I think it's a great painting. Oh, thanks. Um, we're actually sitting... It's hanging on the wall here while we're, we're talking um, because it has, it has to go in next week or something. This week. Yeah. Oh, this <laughs> <Tomorrow> week. <laughs> um, I'm very lucky it's here. Now, it's called Studio Nude Self-Portrait and it's a beautiful painting and I'm so interested because we were talking about it earlier, how it came about, but I'll just briefly describe it. It's a portrait of you, um, a nude portrait, and so you're seated and it's like uh, from you know, from the top of your legs up yeah. and then, and it's in your studio and you're surrounded by, uh, you know, some paintings, but behind you is uh, the glass doors and outside we just see this glorious landscape, which is absolutely beautiful <laughs> and um, sort of balcony as well. Was that planned? Do you plan for the Portuguese? You're like, did you think I'm going to do this painting for the Portuguese? No, I, tr I generally don't plan for prizes because I think it can be quite distracting and the nature of prizes being you know you might get in or you might not I just yeah. think it's quite distracting to pin pin hopes on it you know I just yeah. I just want to make painting <laughs> um so I, I most of the time work um just on painting and when prizes come up I look at what I've got and what might fit mm. with that particular one I did work I had I had it it's been going for about two years in different oh, stages really yeah yeah, but, but a good part of those two years were just sitting against the wall because I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Um, Why did you hate it? it uh, you know, I'm very dramatic. I, I didn't hate it, but when I don't like it, it's I hate the painting sort yeah. of thing. So it wasn't, but resolved. You, you, but it wasn't resolved for me. Right. And you didn't think, I'm going to paint over this. Uh, I knew I needed to do something with it, but I didn't know how to resolve it. And then... To be honest, with the Portuguese, I was like, oh, what have I got around the studio? And then I, like, probably a month leading up, maybe three weeks, and then I thought, I've got that painting that I'm really frustrated by. It was sort of in the back of my mind, so I just turned it around so it was just looking at me so I could kind of think about how I might resolve it. And then one day I was just sort of knew what to do with it, and I did a quick drawing. I did a drawing from the figure which was existing in the painting, and then inserted my studio in my in my drawing behind it just to see if that would 
potential because it was compositional. I right. knew that was so. The what problem. was it like when it before you did that? It was it was the figure with a, a stark white um, background. So it was right. very cold, I think, um, and a bit. It was confronting, which I always liked because there was like a kind of rigidness and a real gaze upon myself, mm. which I liked. But compositionally, it lacked. And I knew it had to change. I just didn't know how to change it mm. until um, I was thinking about like with portraits. I'm, as we were talking about the landscape, I'm so not that interested in head-shoulder portraits. I'm more interested in what makes, like the spaces that make people. Uh, and that forms my figure paintings really more often more than the actual painting of the figure. Mm. So then I thought about that and looked at the painting and I'd pretty much not done that at all. So it made sense to me to put myself in the studio with my works around it. And the tree, I mean, it's such a beautiful tree that is outside my studio, but um, I quite like the way that it, I feel like it's gazing upon me and it's like a shifted lens as well, which comes back to the landscape and how we look at it and, and my relationship to it. Mm. I feel like I'm the vulnerable person mm. and that that kind of gaze for a moment is shifted. Um, oh, that's interesting. Well, also, I get the impression that it's almost like backlit. Oh, like, yeah. You know, and that, and that makes the background and everything around the figure, the focus. Totally, yeah. yeah. And she's Which sort of out me. of focus. Yeah. It's really lovely in that way. And there's some sort of emotional element to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I found, yeah, it was funny when I was painting that because... I had this feeling of vulnerability which might have just been coming from going up and down with how you feel about your own work and, and if it's any good or whatever. But for me, that figure, and not because it's nude or anything because I have no problem with that, but for me that figure was kind of piercing me, like looking at me. That figure of me was actually questioning this mm. real me. <laughs> so there was a weird um, element to that that was a real kind of self questioning I yeah, suppose right actually another painting that uh I wanted to talk to you about that I saw on your Instagram page was called Lauren's Song oh yeah and I love I was I'm very interested to talk to you about it because the caption underneath it said I was fighting with this for a year <laughs> and um, I finally made peace with it and I thought oh I wonder what it is that a she was fighting people thought I was fighting my partner but that was not <laughs> the case <laughs> although maybe I took it out on her a few times no, okay. um uh, it's beautiful it I just described it quickly it's yep. It's your partner lying in bed and she's, uh, it's just her back and her head. So the back of her, her back and the back of her head. So we're looking, uh, you know, from behind her. She's lying on a bed with sheets. So you can't see her legs. And then behind the bed is a guitar. And um, then I think a top of a painting yep. is behind there. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to guess what a problem was, what the struggle was. Okay, okay go on. <laughs> the back. No. It wasn't her back. Again, I... actually, it was the space around the figure. So that oh, shifted okay. colour probably about six times. You mean the sheets? No, the... The, the wall. Oh, the wall. Yeah. Which I think was yellowy. Yeah. It, yeah. it turned like a pinky kind of, yeah. So what was the problem? 
Oh, what was the solution? It was unset. It was just. It was not resolved, I suppose. Mm. But it needed to go through all of that to get to where it was because it can't. It, how it is couldn't have, have existed without its history. And I'm really one for exposing a bit of history. So you can, if you get close to that painting, um, see much of those earlier, um, not layers, but like huge colour shifts, I suppose. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it was, I always liked that composition. So the composition came from a line drawing of our bedroom. And right. um, uh, actually, I'm just remembering now how I resolved it. The guitar wasn't in there originally. And uh, I went back, and this is what happens when I'm working from a drawing and I'm fighting a painting. Usually it's compositional that's a problem. And so I went back home and redrew the space and then went, oh, there's a guitar in here. So then I put the guitar in the painting. It sort of echoes her body yeah, as well. Yeah, it does. It yeah. does. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a bit like my figures that I put in landscape. It's a little bit kind of slightly placed like it's a bit out there's a bit of tension or something in there that I quite I really like because mm. that hits for me something like some sort of emotional something but yeah so that's what resolved it and then that guitar led to me then shifting color in the ground that I felt much happier oh, with okay. isn't that interesting yeah, so that totally. sort of solved it for you yeah yeah. And it's it. I should point out it was a finalist in the Black Swan last yeah. year, wasn't it? It was. Um, and I can see why it's a beautiful painting. Thank you. Because um, I say that about the back because for a portrait not... prize, I love <laughs> oh, to yeah. push the boundaries. I didn't think of that actually. Yeah, it was a portrait prize. I'm surprised it was. I'm very stubborn. I don't. I, I mean, I really don't like head shoulder portraits. They bore me. Oh, really? So I kind of go right out of my way to <laughs> to, oh. to not do that yeah, yeah, um, yeah and that's why it's either a back or like a figure with a huge interior or something that to me interests me mm. so you um, don't want just the face no because such, I just feel like that. that's such a surface element of who we are you know it's uh, yeah I'm for me it doesn't speak I don't know why it's just a, such a personal thing, but for me, it doesn't speak to the depth of the person, mm. and that actually all these other things do. Yeah. I've I've definitely pushed paintings beyond what I thought their capacity was, and I I think I can open up paintings again when they've become closed and that's through like bringing in that ground color like because I'm always I need the painting to be open so within me there's something that just always leaves it open so I, I'm mm. not really in too much danger of closing it off mm. and I so rarely abandon a painting so if if I killed it I'll put it aside for a very long time until I know how to open it up again and I, mm. I usually I can open it up again it yeah, just needs right. time how many colors would you have on your palette <laughs> at any one oh, time? I do you have, have the same ones yep exactly the same palette layout every single time because I mean it's really traditional I've got earths all down the right hand side and then I've got warm cool of um, primaries yep. and I've got a um, beautiful purple <laughs> but yep. that's it everything else is mixed because I love color love it it kind of drives me but I detest tube color 
Yeah, right. Absolutely hate it. So I keep a really minimal palette and every single piece of paint I put down is mixed. Yeah, And shifting colour really. So even the grounds, every single, there's like five colours minimum in each colour I put down. Yeah. So you'll mix the ground colour? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you'd have to mix a really big batch of it. Well, actually, I don't have any um, painted ground. Oh, that one's not there. I don't mix a big batch. I paint bits of the ground and then remix, and I want it to shift a little bit because, to me, colour shifting subtle is like pulses and links the eye around the canvas. Mm. So I don't mix up a huge amount because I I want it to shift. I want to run out, remix it, and have it just a little bit off, Mm. even in the ground. (laughs) Right, so you won't do the ground. Would you use a large brush for the ground? No, no. No, normal brush and... Oh, um, what, like a 10 or something? Like this big. Oh, right, like three centimetres. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. right. Because I want, I want, especially now, like it's kind of evolved a little bit, my grounds, but I want a really activated brush mark. And if I get a big brush, it kind of takes away that, you know, it smooths it out, but I, I really want it to have the energy in so the grounds. Do you find you respond to that when yeah. you come over yeah, yeah, the yeah. T- even though you're not necessarily going to be seeing that at the end of yeah, the day? Yeah, no, but it's not about whether or not it's seen. It's exactly, it's how I respond to it. It's what it asks of me or sets up for me or, yeah. Mm. Would you prime your work, your canvases as well, yourself? Like, would you? No, I, I buy canvases pre-primed yeah. um, and then I put down my ground. So I don't do the kind of layered. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And also, I read somewhere that it would, that you often use polyester. Yeah, I um, love polyester. Really love it. What's good about that? Well, um, it's such a strong support. For example, when I when I was down in Thundernon, I um, had a painting that I just finished, so I felt quite happy with, and it was up on a table, and I had the glass doors open, and this huge gust of wind came. And it fell flat onto a wine bottle and a wine glass and <laughs> smashed them both. And I had this huge dent in the canvas because it came from the height. And I was like, oh, shit. And then I just went to bed because it was night and I couldn't deal with it. I woke up the next morning, canvas was fine. And it just like pushed itself <laughs> back out. So that moment for me is just, I just swear by polyester now. <laughs> oh, brilliant. But, um, but it doesn't rot. It doesn't get mould. Um, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So, and, and I love, it's a bit like board. Very smooth. I love, I really need a smooth surface. I hate tooth mm. at the moment. Who knows, I might change. And you can be brutal. Like, and I am quite brutal with um, my paintings. Okay. And would you add yeah. medium at all? Yeah, I make my own medium. So I just mix stand oil and gamsol. And, um, yeah, I'm, that's important to me because if I don't, if I'm using another medium, one, it stinks. It's awful for mm, me because yeah. <laughs> um, they put in all this other crap. Yeah. And I don't like, I, I, I'm really in control and I just do it by feel, not measurement, of what my medium is and its stickiness and its consistency. And, um, yeah, I've, I really wouldn't go near a store-bought medium now because I've kind of developed that kind of yeah, understanding right. of what I want in a medium. Yeah. I want to control it. Um, yeah, because we were talking about Gamsol before. It's quite low tox- toxicity. Apparently, it? it's the lowest uh, of them all, yeah. which 
is important. Yeah. Yeah. Although I must say, this studio that you're in is fantastic for ventilation and it's oh, it's just absolutely beautiful. I hope I'll get it onto YouTube soon. Yeah, I'm very, very <laughs> lucky to be in this space. It t- I mean, it absolutely feeds into the work. Like these, the works that I'm making now, I wouldn't be making if I were not in this space. Mm. You know, I'd be making something else, but it definitely influences. Well, you were telling me that you used to just paint outside. Yeah, in my backyard, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and cover it with a plastic. Yeah, if it rained, I'd just whack a tarp over everything and hide under it <laughs> until it passed because I wouldn't give up. <laughs> it wouldn't deter me. Such you should have had a torch nutter. under there. <laughs> I must say, that is one thing that strikes me about you, is that you are really determined very, and yeah. very focused yeah. and you're just driven. It's kind of, yeah, but it's, it's, it's driven, it's just a need. Like, it's not like I'm chasing, I don't, I don't think I'm chasing anything except to be a better painter. Like, that's, that's all I want. I just, I just, I'm so aware of life, our life being you know, short, and there's so much I want to learn and so much I want to paint. That's yeah. what my drive is. It's like I can't waste a second of it, really. Yeah. yeah. And what? And tell me about your routine. Have you got a routine? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I'm, like, in bed pretty early. <laughs> <laughs> and um, ideally wake up at 6. I sleep in for me is 7. hate, I really get upset at myself. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I'm up and because I live in Thrall. So I go to the beach in the morning and I'll either oh, walk Oh, so you or, surf every day? Uh, I don't. I used to. I, I can't say I surf every day at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm walking a lot now. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I surf as well occasionally. Oh, so going to the beach but is But beach an is my part. constant, absolutely. Right. It's my sanity, balance, well-being, like sentiments. Yeah, it's everything. A lot, but it also fuels me with like without intending to. But walking at that first light, obviously, my brain is absorbing color and light without mm. trying, it just is because it's mm. like this daily kind of injection of it. Yeah, so yeah, I'll walk and then I'll come back home and have a coffee and read for about an hour and write as well. And what then, would you write at the moment? I'm doing masters, so that's dictating a lot of my writing, but outside of that. I write a lot in response to my experience of the natural world. So it might be, it's quite poetic, but it's not poetry, but um, it might be colours or it might be watching a bird kind of fly along next to me and describing that to myself. Um, It's purely for me, but that's also a trigger like my drawings in the studio in terms of that memory stuff. It might be like these tiny little moments that happen in life that most most of the time we just disregard or move on or get stimulated by something else so it's kind of like honoring that for myself with Mm. words and then um drawing upon that later and then I get to the studio about um 9 30 10 and then work usually it's just straight through until about 4 35 so yeah so it's a bit of a drive to get here yeah, but it's, I don't realise, like I, I only, I've been working here for about three years and it's truly in the last two months I just went, oh, it actually takes me 40 minutes to get here. But it's such a beautiful drive and yeah, it's thinking it time and yeah. um, 
And it's not peak hour. Not peak hour. I don't have any traffic. Yeah. So it's re- I, I love I love the space between home and here. Mm. There's there's mm. something really nice about that. Yeah. So you've got a solo show coming up. Yeah. In at Art House yep. Gallery in Sydney in November. I do. So how do you approach a show? Like, do you sort of have sizes of paintings in mind, or that, or is mm. it? What? How does that work? Uh, I, I suppose I do, and I, I definitely take into consideration the space. I love working on a large scale, so if the space allows it, which Art House does, then I want to take advantage of that. So it, it does. Like, there's a kind of feedback between the space and and the show, but mm. I my my concern is the painting so I don't I don't tend to paint for a show as such like I mainly I just paint and and work on what I need to work on Mm. and then as it gets closer to the show start thinking about um what will go into the show so I I always have too much and then pull back from that does the gallerist sometimes come and and give you some feedback yeah I'm um Oh, in terms of the painting? Yeah. I Oh, in terms of what's going to work as, as a, a show. As a show. Yeah, yeah. I'm, ha- I'm so happy for curatorial calls by the gallery. In fact, like, I'm not an artist to insist on hanging or being there. I, I like to just dump my work and run away <laughs> <laughs> and let them do what they're good at because yeah. I'm good at making painting. Well, that's my strength, not, yeah. not hanging a show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm totally happy with that with mm, them to make that it's a nice call. space there it's really it's really beautiful yeah, you, as you say you can put some really large works so you won't think oh this would sell this god size. no <laughs> oh my god that's hell no so I you don't think in that way no, at all no yeah, no no yeah. in fact like <laughs> there's this really weird part of my brain that is like works against <laughs> anything so if I think oh that might sell then I'll do the opposite you know like I'm <laughs> such a I just so resist any kind of the formula or like mm. yeah I'm, I just have like an allergy. <laughs> it's sort of like the opposite to the create creative side, yeah. isn't it? And it, and if you start thinking like that, it's going to seep into the work and it'll become safe and um, you won't take any risks because you're too worried. You know, I have no interest in that. I just yeah. Yeah. I really it, yeah I make paintings to make paintings and to learn about making paintings and learn about colours interacting and Mark interacting, I really, then I'm not making paintings to sell them. Mm. In saying that, it's so nice when they sell because it allows you to keep going. But in my mind, that's the job of the gallery and that's why I absolutely adore my galleries yeah. um, because yeah. I don't have to deal with that and I don't want, I really don't yeah. want to. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time today, Nicole. It's been so much fun and I'm looking forward to seeing your show in November. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Nicole Kelly. What a great artist. Go to the website, talkingwithpainters.com, for links to things we talked about in the show, for details of her upcoming shows and watch out for my video in her studio on the Talking With Painters YouTube channel. Thanks again to everyone who has rated and reviewed on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's now called. Also, if you haven't already, why not subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and also to the YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. Thanks for listening and hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking With Painters. I mean, there's some days where I'm like, oh, 
I, I don't know what to do, but I'll always show up. I'm always here and sit with it. And after about 30 minutes, I don't even realise that I'm starting painting, but I just am because something's calling me. Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. So I don't give myself a massive hard time if I haven't started painting by 10 sort of thing, but usually I just do because... And as soon as I enter this space, so I might have heaps of anxiety before I do. I might be worried about what I'm going to work on in the painting or how I'm going to resolve it. But when I walk in here, that kind of shuts off and it becomes mm. more of a an answer to a call, like a, to the painting's call. Yeah, and, and I'm right. not that aware of myself, especially on a good day. 